I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. I believe true that hip hop can truly save America because it's one of the most powerful influences that we have in not just America, but around the world. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast, improving youth literacy one book at a time. With a little hip-hop added to the mix, we'll hear from Jonathan Beatty, a.k.a. The Chief Bookman, founder of I Love Books, an apparel startup on a mission to end illiteracy. My name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip-hop today is it's smart. It's insightful. The the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is is remarkable and a lot of these kids they're not going to be reading the new york times that's not how they're getting their information so hip-hop didn't invent anything but hip-hop reinvented everything Peace and love to friends, neighbors, supporters, and haters. Welcome back to Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip-hop podcast. I'm Manny Faces. Fans and friends know that whenever I'm presented with a societal issue, a problem, or a disturbing trend, any suggestion I have as to how to solve it will include, in some form or fashion, hip-hop. Friends and family also know how much of a voracious reader I was as a child, something I attribute much of my abilities and success to, to be honest. So for both of these reasons, it was a real pleasure to kick it with Jonathan Beatty, who left a career in finance pretty much because he saw a societal issue that he wanted to fix. Now the stats are sobering. By one metric, nearly two thirds of America's fourth graders aren't at grade level proficiency in reading. And study after study suggests that education stats across the board are even worse for students of color. Traditionally underserved, underrepresented, and underloved by the education system. The I Love Books initiative seeks to change that, book by book, with an innovative promotional approach mixing apparel sales, live events, and hip-hop music and culture, including involving kids in the creation of the I Love Books anthem. The acclaimed program has been featured in the news and is being applauded all over Kentucky, where it's based, though the program is being recognized across the nation and the globe. Once I caught wind of it, and since I love books and I love hip-hop, I had to find out more. Now, before we get into it, I just want to let you all know that I'm making it easier for you to follow the hip-hop related content that I produce, whether it's this podcast, curating links to stories of interest, editorials, uh, announcing speaking engagements, and more. I'm putting that all under one roof, so to speak. 
please sign up for the Words I Manifest newsletter on Substack at manyfaces.substack.com. It's free, but if you do choose to support my independent high-level hip-hop-related journalism, you can do that there as well. manyfaces.substack.com. Everything will come from there, and I appreciate your love and support. Now, let's get into it. Here's my talk with Jonathan Beatty of ilovebooks.org. Thank you for your first, thank you for all this. I know I put you off. I was half an hour. I'm, I'm in the Atlanta area now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought New York traffic was bad. <laughs> I just moved back from uh, Buford, which is a city outside. It's northeast of downtown Atlanta. Oh, so okay. I, know, I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. I'm learning. We need a bypass to bypass the bypass. That's, That's a fact. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and I, I appreciate you uh, uh, working your schedule around my schedule. Thank you for your time today, man. Of course. Appreciate you, Manny. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. I come across, uh, what I do is I curate story. We have a newsletter called The Hip Hop Advocate. And what I do is I curate stories from around you know, the web, stuff I might come across that highlights hip hop being used in sort of inventive or innovative ways. There were some news stories, some local, you're like a television star uh, <laughs> uh, out there doing some work. Um, so let me not bury the lead. Can you just right out of the gate, tell me about I Love Books and, and what, your, uh, what your initiative is all about? Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, so I Love Books is an apparel startup that's on a mission to end illiteracy uh, book by book. And we know that illiteracy is one of the primary root causes to a lot of our societal woes, uh, poverty, homelessness, crime, violence. And so we also know that access to books is one of the primary ways that you can end illiteracy. Over two thirds of kids living in low income homes don't have a single book in their home. Their libraries are underfunded and we know what that does. So I Love Books is really um, an idea to create the change that we all want to see, which is a more productive and harmonious society. Uh, The way that we do that is by giving 50% of all of the profits from our net sales of apparel, merch, accessories. Uh, We use that money to donate books to schools and nonprofits focused on ending illiteracy, just like we are. You're based out of where? Well, the organization is based where? Louisville, Kentucky. Right. Before how it started, before we bring hip hop into the mix, Mm -hmm. what's your background? Uh, Are you a, you weren't a librarian? Nah, man, not at all. Uh, it's kind of funny. So I, I have an MBA in finance. My undergrad was in marketing and management. I attended the University of Kentucky and I went straight into corporate finance, working for a company called Procter & Gamble, which people may not know the conglomerate, but uh, it's the umbrella company for brands such as Tide and Crest and Scope and a bunch of other big billion dollar brands. And I've been doing corporate finance for over 10 years. Uh, I recently left my most recent position, if you will, at Amazon, where I was managing down in Georgia, a couple of our fulfillment centers. And so my background is very different than a lot of people in this space. And I think that's what creates the opportunity. I look at solving problems in a very different way. And I wouldn't expect an educator or a librarian to solve illiteracy because that's not what they went to school for. I went to school for finance, but truthfully, I went to school to learn how to become a professional problem solver. Mm. And that's essentially what I'm doing with this particular problem in ending illiteracy book by book. Why this? And I love that you're saying that, you know, hey, I, I can solve problems. A lot of problems have to do with money. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you no know, distribution of funds and, uh, and, and like you said, solving societal 
uh, ills that deal with underfunding, as we mm-hmm. know. And certainly certain communities around the country have been chronically underfunded and, and have suffered some of the uh, results of that illiteracy being one of them. But it's not the only one. Why did you glom onto the, that one particular societal ill? Uh, I think you said that you touched on it before. That's the kind of the core of everything. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We know what lack of reading abilities, writing abilities, critical thinking abilities does to a human being. So what I've seen happen is we, we look at a child who may be growing up in poverty or a low income home and we watch them go through the cycle of not learning how to read at home, going to school behind, continuing to be behind during summer slide. And now that we've had COVID slide, I mean, you're talking about kids who probably are a year and a half, two years behind where they should be. You know, when they get to eighth, ninth high school, they are living the life of someone who never got those lessons and that capability. And then we start judging them. So now when they're in the system or they're uh, in the juvenile delinquency system or they're in the prison system, we look at them like, oh, you should have figured it out. But the truth is, how could they have figured it out? Um, And so I realized, again, as a problem solver, if you really want to address it, we could talk about homelessness. And there are tons of people addressing that particular problem. There's a lot of people addressing crime, a lot of people addressing um, violence, et cetera. But what I have not seen is the level of intentionality with ending illiteracy and nipping all of this in the bud, so to speak, so that we're not dealing with the repercussions of what we know is going to happen when kids aren't reading by fourth grade. You might have mentioned them in the beginning, but the statistics are are sobering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk about uh, how many households don't have a book Mm -hmm. in household. Uh, How many people like what are some of the stats that, that you're aware of? just to kind of let people understand the severity of, of the issue of illiteracy. For sure. So in Kentucky, uh, half of the kids going into kindergarten aren't ready to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, For kids in low income homes, uh, again, two thirds of them do not have access to books. We know that their libraries tend to be underfunded relative to communities with higher income levels. Uh, we know that their funding in general through tax dollars of the local citizens, they're obviously not going to be nearly as high. So that trickle down effect, essentially what you were talking about with the funds, there's a lack of funds. And we know that to be true. We also know that in the United States, 85 percent of black eighth graders do not read at grade level. Eighty-two uh, percent of black fourth graders do not read at grade level. And I think it's 55 percent of white eighth graders aren't reading at grade level. So as atrocious as it is for our white kids that are in the United States, um, the majority of them don't read at grade level. That's not good. But the fact that 85% of black kids don't read at grade level is a crisis that I still can't quite understand why no one's raising this flag. Uh, just And we know what these stats do. So if you're not reading on grade level by fourth grade, they, it's a multiple of in terms of the likelihood that you're going to end up being functionally illiterate. And then 70% of inmates are functionally illiterate. 85% of kids going into the juvenile detention system are functionally illiterate. So it's very clear that we know where they're going. And being a data person myself and working in finance, I look at numbers and it tells a story. And the story is we're not addressing this problem in a way that is effective enough because we're still seeing the same problem decade after decade. 
Yeah, indeed. You mentioned that you look at data and you come from a financial background, not uh, an educator or a librarian, mm -hmm. uh, as, as, you, as you pointed out. Nothing wrong with our wonderful educators and librarians. Noble work, those fields are. But you believe that uh, looking at the problem in a different way, like, like you mentioned, leads to a path to solve the problem that those folks in those fields might not come across. What are some of the, besides selling some merchandise and then, you know, proceeds, what are your, you know, what's your angle? What, what do you see in that matrix data mind of yours that uh, can help address these problems that educators, librarians, and parents and, you know, regular folk might be missing? Yeah. And, and like you said, it's amazing work. Shout out to all the educators around the world who are doing the real work, uh, boots on the ground. And really, they're the folks on the front line who have to deal with the repercussions of illiteracy in their classrooms. So, again, I wouldn't expect to be able to go into a class and teach. And I definitely couldn't be a librarian. So 100 percent respect to those industries. But again, going back to what I am capable of doing, which is looking at data, looking at information and solving problems. What I see is there are a few gaps that need to be plugged in. Um, the first is we know that there are a lot of black kids living without their fathers in the home. And if you're talking about black boys in particular, who really have the, the worst reading scores in the United States in terms of a demographic, there's a reason for it. And it's and I think a lot of times we have a tendency as a society to judge people without understanding the why. And in corporate, you never look at anything without understanding the why. And the historical context is mandatory. So what I see is a lack of desire to read. You know, when I was growing up, my father was in the home. I learned that men read because my father was reading all the time. My mother was also a reader, and I'm sure that that took more so to my sisters. But for me, seeing a man, uh, and, he, and I'm a preacher's kid, so he was always reading, of course, the Bible and always in the pulpit. Right. But even outside of that, it never was associated that reading is uh, an act that men don't do. And I think that's extremely important. There's also only 2% of educators in the United States who are black men. So that's a gap. If you are a black boy going into a classroom, it's extremely unlikely that you're going to identify with the leader in your class. If you're a black girl, you may at least have the uh, female angle, being right. a young lady with a lady as a teacher. But if you're a black boy, you're not only missing the man, but you're also missing the race and the ethnicity. And more so from a cultural standpoint, you're missing that element. So now you've got a bunch of black boys who don't have an interest in reading, not because they lack intelligence or capability. It's just not part of their culture. Right. And so where I see uh, and, and going back to what I Love Books is doing, you're right. It's definitely not just selling merch and apparel and giving the books. It's inspiring kids to read. And that's how we get into the hip hop element um, and just the music. We have a mantra at I Love Books called BAM, and that's books, art, music. And I really believe in that. As a, as a hip hop head myself, I grew up on music. I love music and I would never take that away. I would only add that to anything that I love. And, and since I do love books, I, look, I do love art and I do love music. I'm combining all of those things to really inspire these kids who may not see themselves as a reader yeah. but when they see someone like me who's in a hoodie with an aisle of books on it um i look like them i yeah. talk like them yeah. and i'm not going to change who i am so that so that they have someone else to identify with when it comes to becoming intelligent and really uh getting away from any type of anti-intellectualism that exists in the culture 
unapologetic and unashamed. You know Absolutely. I, mean? yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, tell me what that looks like. The, the mix of hip hop, using hip hop to encourage literacy. Obviously, you know, people will think right out of the gate. Well, you know, there's literacy in hip hop, obviously lyrical, you know, lyrical art form. But obviously hip hop culturally, you know, we look at it from the whole uh, holistic way of mm-hmm. being hip hop, you know, not just, you know, doing hip hop. What does that look like in terms of how you bring that together with your BAM mantra? You know, I think that it's important to understand there is a there's a piece of diversity missing in the hip hop game to me. And I heard one of your previous podcast episodes on and the gentleman was talking about something similar where the detrimental nature of some of our hip hop music, more more so in this uh, hardcore rap lane, if you will. And I just felt like there is a space for someone like me. Um, not only from a business standpoint, but from a marketing and uh, an inspiration standpoint, I looked to see if there was anyone rapping about books and I couldn't find it. <laughs> and, you know, from a business standpoint, that gives me a lane that I can enter. And that's really my lane. I am the bookman. That's what people call me. That's what I'm on social is. Yeah. I am on a mission. And that mission includes using what I love, which is which is music. So uh, just using different content. Uh, we got the book music album coming soon, and it's an entire album about books and, you know, how I look at it, but through a, lip, a hip hop lens. So I'm going to talk about going on vacation and what's it like to read books on vacation and give books on vacation. But I'm not doing that over um, like a more quote unquote conscious type beat. I'm doing them more over commercial type beats, which is more in my lane. I'm a big fan of Drizzy. Big fan of Lupe, big fan of Kanye, uh, Rex Life Raj, Will Smith, Joyner, and of course, Nip Hustle. These are all influences. And for me, when you're listening to me, you're getting a piece of all of those other rappers, all those other artists, because I'm I'm a student of all of them, plus a, a bunch of other folks. So I think that it just gives me a different lane and a different way to talk about uh, something that's extremely important, which is the power of books. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, and, and it helps to not be corny. So that's good. Hey, never that. <laughs> but from those influences, you probably do, you know, you probably do all right. Tell me what it's like to interact with young people using some of these methods and and uh and vibes that you're coming with. Some of the things that you've done, you know, hands-on and some of the results and responses uh that you've gotten from young people that let you know, yeah, this is this is worth. It's been incredible, man. Um, I led a Wizenar book club over the summer at a local boys and girls club. That was pretty cool just to see them respond to Kobe's book and, and rest in peace to Kobe, just to see them respond and reading. And, you know, it's one thing to look at the stats. It's another thing to live the stats and see the the difficulty, but also the bright spots. And some of these kids who actually really enjoy reading and I think that's that's one of the cool coolest things that's happened. But I, I'll definitely say shooting the I Love Books anthem at the Promise Academy at William Wells Brown was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, all the educators and the staff were involved. It was an incredible giveaway. We call it Booksgiving. It was a credible, incredible Booksgiving day. And for the kids to be in in the video, you know, for them, they're YouTube famous, and that's a big deal to kids growing up. They can go home and Hey, mom. Hey, dad. You know, I'm check out this video. I'm in it. And when they see themselves on on the video, uh, I think it gives them a different 
level of excitement and personal self-esteem and and just confidence that I am someone, I'm special, I'm important, I'm capable. And I know this to be true because this guy grew up in Hazard, Kentucky, and he's doing his thing. And although I may be growing up in a difficult situation, I know that I'm capable of doing those things because I'm watching it. Not only am I watching him, but I'm also watching myself be a part of this beautiful experience as I Love Books continues to grow. You know, it's connecting the books, right? It's connecting the idea of reading in books to something enjoyable, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's chasing the dopamine, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. What about that? Whereas, you know, if you haven't been exposed to a lot of books, like you said, a lot of households don't have books in the family. I'm a son. You're a preacher's kid. I'm a college professor's son. Ooh, nice. So believe you me. <laughs> you know, books a million for sure. Yeah. Uh, so saying what you said, you know, having books, you know, kind of surrounding you, seeing, you know, your your father, your mother reading, that can, made that connection of books to something that felt, you know, good or comfortable or familiar. Uh, I remember going to the children's library where I grew up on Long Island, New York. There's a children's library and an adult library. And I used to go to the children's library. I read the hell out of everything. So I would say, that's, I, I go to the librarian. I said, I ran out of books to read. And I'm like, I don't want to read. Can I go to the adult library? And they're like, well, you have to be 12. I'm like, you know, I'm like 10 or 11 at the time. I'm like, so they will we'll write you a note. And so they write a note. Let me go over it. But use my children's library card in the adult library. And they say, okay, I did this enough that by the time they didn't have to write a note anymore. I was uh, yeah. on so all my childhood memories around books where I was reading my whatever I wanted. I go to school and school's like, well, we're going to read, you know, Dostoevsky. And I'm like, I'm already reading a bunch of stuff I like. But imagine I hadn't had that connection to books. And the first time I'm getting you know, banged over the head is school and stuff that might be boring to me or, like you said, culturally irrelevant to who I am as a child. My first experience getting into reading is going to be one of I'm turned off. Absolutely. You're making it so that if one of their early, I mean, not the first, but one of their early connections to reading and literacy is fun. It's, it's attached to music. It's attached to culture. It's, it's attached to being in videos. And, it, and it, it, it makes that connection in a way that educators probably, not for lack of trying, but I think probably are handcuffed a lot of times. They can't, make, they can't pull these things off in, you know, in the school. The administration's not going to let them make rap videos. Right. <laughs> But you're doing it, and and that that's what helps. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, and and I love the point that you just made about the connection. Uh, actually, two points that you just made. First is the connection to something positive and something good. Right. Uh, so let's take an example where you don't know how to read. You're in fourth grade. Books to you are not life. That is death. That is negative. Right. That is pain. And you can see it when you're dealing with a child who cannot read. And when they go from dancing or singing something that they're good at to something that they know that they're not good at, they're going to uh, flee. Um, It's fight or flight. They're flying. They're gone. Um, So I think the connection to something positive, something fun, the music, the videos, I I love that point. And then culturally relevant books are extremely important. Going back to the stats earlier, I want to say in the United States, most of the published books um, we'll call it 13% of published children's books are with black characters. And so there's just a massive gap in seeing yourself and then content that you're interested in. If your first experience in reading, to your point, if your your first experience is reading something random, it's like, I don't want to read this. Right. And if you listen to someone like a Nipsey Hussle, who was an avid reader, and most people don't know that, he talks about when he first went on his reading journey, 
Uh, he was reading the source in Double XL. He was reading content that was interesting, even though they weren't books. He was still reading and learning and processing. And that was part of his turnaround. Um, and anyone who knows Nip and the story that uh, he has coming from where he was to where he was going to. I mean, it's really incredible. And he attributes a lot of that to reading books. So I think it's extremely important. And I love those points that you made. I agree 100 percent. And the educators are doing everything that they can. And I go back to it's what are you designed to do? There's a book called The Alchemist, my favorite book written by Paulo Coelho. And I think that resonated with so many people because it's everyone's story. Manny is Santiago, Jonathan Santiago. We're all on our own journey to achieve our personal legend, whatever that is. And to me, my personal legend is doing this. An educator's personal legend may be influencing in the classroom. So everyone has a role to play. And as a sports enthusiast as well, uh, I'm not going to ask the point guard to do what the center's role is. Right. Everyone's got a position to play. And, but I, to that to that point, though, I think you're able to by doing these these projects, uh, sort of these initiatives on your own without the the glare of institutions or administrations breathing down your neck. You're also showing that it can be done. You're you're, you're getting you're creating the receipts, you know, that yeah. an educator might say, hey, I've been trying to introduce this sort of thing. I am on your I do get it, but I'm trying to bring it into the classroom. Thank you for. Uh, showing that it can be done and, and and maybe, you know, work together. Do you plan on maybe working with schools or, uh, you know, working with other organizations? hundred percent. Yeah. And, and the reason why I named the business I Love Books is because all of our partners, all of the people who are involved and anyone who works at the company, we all have something in common and it's I Love Books. I'll go back to the Promise Academy at William Wells Brown in Lexington, Kentucky, the school where we shot the I Love Books anthem. Uh, shout out to Principal Hutchinson and Fayette County Public Schools for allowing that to happen and being involved in um, sharing the pictures, sharing the video, getting people excited about what we're doing. And we're, we just launched in April, so we're just getting started. But if you've ever heard of the Tom's brand, uh, the shoe company, or Warby Parker, the eyewear company, they have done some amazing good in this world, and they've never accepted donations. So that's what we're going to do with I Love Books. We're going to solve the illiteracy crisis through the access to book angle and also the inspiring kids to uh, kids to read angle. So extremely excited about that. In the future, I believe that we'll have schools on board. I believe we'll have nonprofits on board and even corporations as part of their diversity, equity and inclusion effort. I think that if you're not talking literacy for all, then we're failing. Uh, so we're going to set up all of those platforms to make sure that everyone, A, is aware. We're going to change the apathy that exists now. And through changing the apathy, we're going to change the action. And I believe that if we focus on awareness, apathy and action and uh, getting people involved and understand what we're doing, we're going to see some really good results. And like you said, we're going to have receipts. And one last thing I'll say on that is the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta, actually, uh, where you're located, they have shown that getting kids involved in making learning fun is a way to go. They've had great success and want to show them love for sure uh, in terms of just using a different way of teaching to inspire the kids. So I wanted to make sure I at least gave them a shout out to uh, definitely inspired by them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of if you want to get something done, you know, problem solve, like you said in the very beginning, one of the best ways you could do it is approach it from an angle that isn't typical. That isn't traditional. That's you're coming in from a. It's hip hop. It's how mm-hmm. hip hop did everything, and you know that's sort of the 
the culture that I came up in and how I look at the world. Like I said, looking at solving illiteracy through a hip hop lens, mm-hmm. uh, an outsider, not an outsider to the problem or to the community, but you're an outsider to the field, but no less capable of, of coming up with creative solutions, innovative solutions. I, I recognized it when I saw the story on, on you and your work and everything that you guys are doing. Uh, and I appreciated it. And I'm, I really wanted to have you on and talk about it. So I appreciate uh, you breaking it down. Uh, how do people find out more about what you're doing and how, if you're not taking direct donations, although if someone gives you money, I'm sure you're going to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, but you know, how can people find out more about what, what they're doing and what should those who love the concept, maybe not in Kentucky, maybe around the country, how can they help your movement uh, directly as well as, you know, maybe, uh, you know, indirectly in taking some of the lessons that you're putting out there and, you know, transferring it to their own you know situations as parents or as community members? For sure. So the first thing anyone who wants to support the movement can do, go to ilovebooks.org, ilovebooks.org, and you'll, you'll see our webpage there. You'll see the shop. Uh, buy something about books. That's it. It's not only because we're going to do something good with the profit, but it also lets the world know that there are real readers out here and you can show a love for books. And it's pretty simple. And I think that as kids see more adults talking about books, they're going to it's going to help them identify as readers. So that's definitely one thing. Um, If people want to see what we're doing on social, you can catch us at at I love books org. Lastly, if you want to check me out and find some inspiration, see what I'm doing. I'm the chief bookman at chief bookman, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit me up anytime. I'm happy to collaborate. Again, we're just getting started. Big, big things coming soon. Uh, But right now you can catch us at I Love Books uh, online website and you can catch me at chief bookman. I encourage anyone who really wants to see change to do a couple of things outside to to answer that part of the question. Take time to read with some kids. Um, If you have children, make sure you're reading with your kids. If you have nieces, nephews, god kids, make sure you're reading with them. Talk about books. Talk about the importance of it, but not from your vantage point. Talk about it from the kid's vantage point. Over the summer, I was at the book club. There was a kid that said, I don't need to read because I'm going to be in the NBA. I say, okay. That's cool. I'm glad that you have hoop dreams. But how are you going to read the contract? Because if if you haven't heard, there's a lot of stories of people who did not read their contract and did not get what they were duly deserving of and what they had earned. So no matter what the kid's aspiration is, you can always relate it back to a need to read and a need to be a lifelong learner. So I think those are the primary ways of helping inspire kids. Um, Volunteering time, if you do want to donate, find a local library, find a Boys and Girls Club or a United Way or a local nonprofit uh, startup that's really focused on literacy. A lot of the bigger nonprofits have umbrella goals. So it may be family, it may be community, it may be literacy and education, but there are a plethora of nonprofits specifically serving kids who need access to books and kids who need to learn how to read on grade level and beyond. Um, so it's just being really intentional. Same thing as what we're doing, just being intentional with your your goals and really setting these kids up to succeed. And my last thing I'll say on that is if we don't, and I, I think this is important for anyone who's listening, let's just fast forward 10, 15 years. We've never seen a pandemic in our lifetime. We don't know what these kids are going to be, what they dealt with and what they're dealing with now. We're going to suffer the consequences of either addressing this or not. 
we're going to be dealing with the consequences one way or another. I encourage you to not allow that to happen in whatever way is fitting for you. If it's donating time, great. If it's donating money, great. If it's working with I Love Books, great. Uh, if you decide that you want to rap about books, great. Whatever it is that you can do, just be intentional with um, your part in ending illiteracy. I think it's a, a, a truly important message. We have a lot of problems to solve. Mm-hmm. But at the heart of it all, we can't ask you to participate in these school board meetings if you don't read the minutes or the, you know what I mean? Like we can't mm-hmm. uh, politically yeah. get politically or civically engaged if you can't, you know, read about the issues. It really is the core of everything. So uh, I appreciate the work you're doing. My last question for you is a question that I tend to ask pretty much everybody. And again, it goes back to the hip hop angle, which is, you know, is at the core of this show and the work mm-hmm. that I do. The title of the podcast is Hip Hop Can Save America, which is a lofty goal, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, we probably need a little bit more than just hip hop, but I do think that the uh, the ethos of hip hop has a lot of problem solving uh, yep. at, at its core. But in your words, and this is what I ask folks, why is hip hop, as you, why would you bring it into your work here? What is it about hip hop that can advance some of these ideas? And, and I think, you know, I'll let you speak for it, in ways that other things can't. I think the first is just the reach. I mean, hip hop has become pop music. Right. I mean, it's it really is popular music and it can reach a wide variety of demographics in a way that other genres of music ha- have yet to do. I'll say it that way. Yeah. So we'll take an artist like Drake or even a Kanye. I know they had what they was going on, um, <laughs> but Drake is going to reach a ton of people. If Drake was to walk out of the house with an I Love Books at, that's influence. It's cultural influence. And what I believe is going to happen, and I'll relate it. I know we're talking about the the hip hop and I'll push it back to the books. I believe what's going to happen is a LeBron James or Steph Curry, they're going to get involved and they're going to see the value of what's being created and how uh, the intersection of, of books and culture can really change everything. The musical component is the way to communicate. Uh, That's the, that's the voice. That's the mic that we have to express ourselves. And for a long time, hip hop has been the medium in which politics has been discussed. Culture has been discussed. Change has been discussed and it's power. So there's power in the numbers, there's power in the words. And I, I believe in, I believe true that hip hop can truly save America because it's one of the most powerful influences that we have in not just America, but around the world. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's using its power for good mm-hmm. uh, key. And uh, that's what we promote on this show. And that's what you do. And so once again, I thank you for your time, for your efforts and for your dedication to all of these causes. Uh, we'll be sure to follow. I'm going to have to cop a little something from the store uh, because I love books. I wouldn't be lying. I wouldn't be just wearing it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll keep up. And if you have anything else to let you know, folks who might listen to this show uh, know about as you do those bigger and better things that I'm sure are coming, please let me know so I can forward it along to everybody. I appreciate you, Manny. Thank you. And thank you for creating this platform and all the other work that you've done. I love the fact that you are a professor, a college professor, if I'm not mistaken, you said. No, son of one. So, son, yeah, yeah, son of a college professor. I went to college for about twenty minutes because no, the, I, I, I got you. No, I, I meant to say son <laughs> of college professor. Yeah, man, um, that's that's the coolest thing, and and you yeah. see the influence, like you see the influence on you, you see the influence on me, and I think that that influences 
all kids deserve that positive influence as it relates to becoming a lifelong learner. So shout out to you on what you're doing. Please let me know if I can ever help support you in any way. Appreciate it. Will do, man. Feelings mutual. Thank you again for your time, for uh, putting up with my schedule. And uh, we'll definitely reconnect uh, in the near future. I appreciate you. You got it. Thank you again for listening to Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast. I'm the creator, editor, and your host, Manny Faces. Remember, if you're listening to this on the web, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on all the places. Set your app to alert you to new episodes, and if you want, give us a rating and review. You can sign up for release notifications and other smart hip-hop-related content at mannyfaces.substack.com. It's free, but you can donate to support the work there as well. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hip Hop Advocacy. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Manny Faces or on Instagram and Facebook at Manny Faces Official. Email us your comments, suggestions, complaints, praise to hiphopadvocacy at gmail.com. And for more information about the show, you can visit us at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. And once again, on behalf of associate producer Summer, the rest of our team, and all of our wonderful supporters, we thank you for listening, following, supporting, rating, reviewing, and sharing. This has been a Manny Faces Media production in association with the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. We'll be back soon. Peace. This is a Manny Faces Media production. Manny Faces! You sick for this one. Sick. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.